I think the hardest thing about playing a sport or really doing anything at a really high level is putting in the hours and the work, you know, maybe you spend 95% of your time thinking and practicing and putting all your energy into it. But then how do you not make that 95% of yourself worth? Mm-hmm. That is the hardest thing, you know, That's and so a tough for me, sport. I had to figure out, yeah, it's so hard because you're like, I'm out here, I'm grinding, I'm working so hard, but then, and I'm putting all my energy into it, but then how do I just free it up and go play? Hey, everybody. Thanks very much for hanging out with us today. We really appreciate you being here. Uh, TLC presents conversation. We've got a really special guest today. I'm really excited to have her join us today. Um, I'm a big fan of hers all the way around. We're going to get into what she does. Please, everybody, give it up for the senior producer and the host of social and digital content at Golf Digest, Golf TV, and hangs out with the United States Golf Association. Please welcome Hallie Ledbetter. Hallie, welcome. Thank you, Todd. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be oh. here. I'm pumped you're here. I'm really excited about this because, well, you know, I'm, I'm a big golf nut. Everybody knows that who knows me. I'm a huge fan of, of the LPGA, which I, you know, have been for a long time. And I get criticism sometimes from my guy friends about that. It's like, why? Because the girls are better golfers than boys are, and it's more fun to watch. But nonetheless, we'll get into that, too. But one of the reasons I asked you to come on and, and, and reach out and started communicating with you is that, I'm not a huge social media butterfly, right? But I'm on social media. I follow. I don't really interact a whole lot of ways. But of all the people that are out there, I find you to be one of the most genuine people out there on the planet when it comes to social channels because you're so yourself. It's so believable. And, you know, sometimes social media is, is I don't know, performative in a way, and it's not really all that real. And you come from that. So that's one of the things I want to talk about because you bring that to Golf Digest. You bring that to what you're doing. So I'm hoping you'll share with my audience a little bit about your journey and who you are of course, I got a thousand questions I'm going to throw at you, but I think Absolutely. it'd be fun for everybody to get a little bit of background about, you know, why you're doing what you're doing, but why you're doing it so well, in my opinion. And that's something I want to elevate. So again, welcome. Thank you for being here, taking time out of your busy day for a low life like me to come out and swap some golf stories. And we'll probably chat a little golf. I, I do want to talk a little bit of golf at the end. You know, I did play this weekend, which you're privy to. So if you want to throw me crap about that, we can do that <laughs> later. Um but talk to me a little bit, if you would, about your journey, all right? I mean, you're a senior producer at Golf Diet. You're doing some big things, right? And and you've got a big level of responsibility. So share with me a little bit about what a senior producer and the host does. Yeah, so, um, you know, my... I would say my, the evolution of just even my time at Golf Digest has been really interesting. Golf Digest was actually my, uh, my first job. So I actually turned pro after college for about six months. And then I was like, never mind, not for me. <laughs> um, and that was a great experience. But ultimately, I always wanted to get um, into the media side of things. So I was, uh, my first you know job besides playing golf was a social media coordinator at Golf Digest. So got my foot in the door there um, doing Twitter, Facebook, Instagram on a daily basis, running those social channels. Um, and then um, I got an opportunity to go work at the PGA Tour as a digital producer, which was sort of like the next step because I always was really interested in, um, in you know, content and entertainment. And sure. obviously with my love of golf and my knowledge of golf, I was like, it'd be really great to be able to combine those. So got my foot in the door at Golf Digest and then um, got that opportunity at the tour, which was huge because now... I wasn't only just, you know, putting out the content, but I was able to create the content as well. And 
Um, one thing that's so amazing about working at the PGA Tour is they just have, you know, the the rights and the access to everything at PGA Tour events. So really, the world is your oyster there in terms of what you can create. So I got, sure. a, a, you know, an awesome experience there. And I wasn't there for too long because then Golf Digest asked me to come back, which I never thought in a million years I was going to be going back to New York City just a year and uh, just eight months later. So, uh, but I did. So I went back to New York Um and I said golf, you know, to golf digest, like, listen, if I'm going to come back, I really would love to be able to continue um, growing as a content producer and hopefully get some more on camera opportunities. And they were uh, supportive of me in that. So went back to golf digest and my job just kind of kept evolving from there. You know, I, I started pitching ideas for content, you know, some, some, they said yes to some, they said, no, sometimes I was in front of what the they camera. say no to what they uh, say no to like, you know, well, how you crazy know, to be was honest, it? nothing comes to mind that they've said no, that they said no to, but sometimes there'd be something that it's like, Hey, we're going to try this on social. And then it did, you know, the audience doesn't respond. So it's like, all right, right, how do we, you know, do we ditch it? Do we tweak it? That kind of sure. thing. So, um, so that, that was, you know, that's been a, it's just a constant process as, as anything is, Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, so I, you know, continued pitching ideas. And like I said, sometimes I was in front of the camera, sometimes it's just a, an idea where that I had just come up with. Um, and I have an incredible, incredible talented team that I work with at golf digest, which is, you know, so, uh, for a while I was overseeing the direction of the social channels and then when I started focusing just more and more on being a, a talent and producing not only social content, but content, you know, videos for our website and YouTube and that kind of sure. stuff. Um, my wonderful colleague, Nicole Ray started overseeing our social channels and I sort of work hand in hand with her in planning for, um, you know, for, for our content that's going to go on social, whether that's you know, promotion materials for articles and videos that live on our website or just purely engagement videos, graphics, that kind of stuff. So I'd say that's part of my job is working very closely with the social team and in sort of planning um, our social content and not only videos, but also graphics and pictures and that sort of thing. Right. Um, and then, but I'd say probably 80 to 90% of my energy is on um producing content and, you know, the on-camera stuff. And do you like the on-camera stuff better than the social stuff? I would assume. I do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Me too. I mean, it's, I, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But I will say that the social stuff and having been in social for such a long time, because that's where so much content lives has given me just an incredible understanding of that arena and what works there and what doesn't. So sometimes mm. you might have a great idea and you know, it might be, it depends on how you, um, the dimensions that it's in and then how sure. are you showing the title and are you putting text at the top and are you, is it just a talking head or is it, is it captioned? So that kind of stuff is really, really important because you can create the best kind of content all day, but if it's not optimized for the platform, then you're, you know, you're out of luck and people aren't going to be able to enjoy it. So. Correct. What, what do you think, you know, you're traveling around the world now and you've been traveling a bunch through COVID like I have, I mean, you've been back, back and forth. What do you, what are you seeing out there now, as far as is from a digital, from a concept standpoint now, do you think it's different communicating to people now in this environment that we're in, or you think it's the same? You think people are more engaged or less engaged because they have obviously a lot more people at home now. Yeah. I think people are, people are more engaged because they just, you know, they have more time to sit around on their phones, which 
can be a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> um, you know, for the brand, it's probably a good thing for your personal mental health. For sure. The best thing. So it's important to keep that in mind um, when you're, you know, d- deciding on how to, how to spend your day. But um, content itself, I think, has changed because stuff like we're doing right now, like a Zoom call is so much more normalized. Like if oh, you would have sure. told me, I don't know what's, if you would have told me two years ago that I would be doing all my meetings over video and I wouldn't have seen my colleagues in a few months, I would have been like, what, you know, but that's crazy. So I think, but I also think it's opened up a lot of opportunities because you used to think you had to be there in person with somebody to interview them or do, you know, do some sort of content. And that's granted that might be the, 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 um, the best scenario, but it might not be the most convenient or cost-effective. So I think it, we're definitely opening up opportunities and people's eyes are opening up to what is possible when you're not necessarily with someone else in person. Well, hundred percent. It's not going away. I mean, you just, yeah. I, I just read a story today that one of the companies has just told 40,000 employees, you're going to work from home now. You know, you can work remotely. I mean, companies are yeah. doing it in our space. Companies do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the interesting thing is that you're seeing results now with companies that are showing better metrics being working having employees work from home than they did when in the office they're more engaged they're working they're working more hours that's the thing yeah right they're working more hours so talk to me a little bit about you know i touched on earlier in the opening uh, you know about some of the misconceptions that you see socially this misconception and and, you know digital content obviously is video based social we can call social i mean you know they kind of do interact but um what do you think the biggest misconceptions are when it comes to understanding the digital world for folks um well, I think it's kind of what I, what I said uh, before about like optimizing content. It's not mm-hmm. like you can't just say like the amount of brands that we'll work with or that I've worked with in the past where it's like, okay, we're going to create this video and just give me like a 16 by nine version, you know? And it's like, that is not going to work on Instagram. It's not going right. to perform as well as it could on Twitter. So I think people like people are like, oh yeah, it'll, this is great. Like I should create some digital content for my brand, which you absolutely should. You should have a social presence because if you don't, you're missing out on potential opportunities, but it's really, really important. Like you, you need to put some extra thought into the content that you're putting out. So mm-hmm. I think that is probably one of the biggest misconceptions is like, okay, let's just like, it's not enough just to have an Instagram. Like are you posting regularly? Are you posting stuff that people are going to get value out of? That's right. my biggest thing is like, you look at a lot of brands and you can tell the ones that really have a good understanding of the platforms and what social should be used for and how to, you know, create relationships with their customers. And then other people that are just like, oh, I have an Instagram just to have one. You know, one of the big problems I see with, with folks that I work with in, in, in my business is that when it comes to, to social channels, it's super hard to get ahead of the curve, right? Yeah. I mean, and I would imagine you're probably in the same boat when all of a sudden it's like, you have stuff you have to do Thursday and it's like, I'm not even there yet. Do you, are you really spaced out? And you guys, do you try to be 30 days out on your social not, stuff and on your digital stuff? I wouldn't say 30 days. I'd say we're probably like two weeks. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. I'm just over, I'm just getting over a cold. Um, yeah, I'd say we're probably like two weeks out because, you know, things change. If you plan a month, you know, generally- in terms of golf tournaments, that kind of you know, stuff stays consistent. Yeah, you know where you're going. Right. You know where you're going, but maybe you're not necessarily going to like build that content yet. But I mm-hmm. think it's always good to, you know, especially for like the main pillar majors and that sort of thing. We're definitely planning three to four weeks out ahead of time. Um, and I do think at least having a blueprint of where you want to go kind of frees you up for the other areas because you're like, all right, I know on 
this day we're going to have these things, this day we're going to have these things. So if I know that I have like two to three plans, like things per day that I'm able to post, then I'm able to kind of relax a little bit and not feel so stressed. And I know I'm going to come up with a few others, you know, that are in the moment that are more reactionary content. Um, But no, I I think it's definitely, it's definitely important to plan, but also be flexible uh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, because we see it just, you know, in just this platform conversations we created, trying to keep up with the social side of stuff. I mean, it's just a constant struggle, you know, to get because you never get ahead because it's just, you know, again, you're adjusting, you're on the fly. And I think that's one of the big things when I when I look at companies and I talk to them about social and digital stuff about how to get to it. I mean, I think it's important that companies embrace digital platforms. I probably would imagine that you would agree with me um, because it it is a powerful medium. I, when I look at those platforms, I, th- I look at like four different ways of looking at digital content. And correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, again, it, it's like it, it's about entertainment, right? That's the key thing, right? To get them on the hook. It's about education, in certain ways, right? What are you trying to? What is the message you're trying to get across? Some ways, trying to be connected to people, right? Do you want to hold them there, right? You want to connect with them someplace, and then the other way really is almost to persuade or to get people to move to where you want them to go. Yeah. Do you kind of? Do you agree with that? Or do you guys kind of follow that same kind of logic and path when you look at what you're creating? This episode of Todversations is brought to you by RJO Produce. RJO Produce, closing the information gap in measuring fresh produce quality. Quality driven, quality delivered. Connect with us at rjoproduce.com. Yeah, well, I think it depends like what you're purposes, right? Like if you're a brand like Golf Digest, you obviously want people to go to your, like we're trying to, that are the, the purpose of your social channels, like what is that? It Like for Golf Digest, it's to drive traffic to golfdigest.com. That being said, like, let's say you're a shoe company, right? Your, <clears throat> your end game there would obviously be to have someone buy your shoes. But uh, there's a book, the great book that I read by um, Gary Vaynerchuk, and it's called yeah. <clears throat> Jab, Jab, Right Hook. And his whole thing is about providing value, providing value, um, and then ask for something in return. So his whole thing gives an example, hiking boot company. If you're trying to get people to follow you on social, you need to be a good follow, you know, like why would I follow this hiking boot company? If they're just, if I don't even, never even heard of them, or maybe I have, but like, I'm not going to, why do I want their information in my feed? Well, if they're telling me, here are some, here are the best hiking spots in Colorado. And here are, here are five good protein bars that you should consider taking on your hike. And then that third <clears throat> post is like, and we're having a sale on our, on our hiking boots. So go to our website and check it out. Right. I'm going to be much more likely to go check out that hiking boot website on their sale. If they are providing me with helpful information that creates trust and a little bit of rapport And I'm much more likely to, you know, say, okay, well, I might buy your hiking boot now because I feel connected with you and you've, you've given me something. So in the terms of golf digest, I think it's the same way. Like we're not always saying like hit the link in our bio, hit the link in our bio, hit the link in our bio. Like we're providing you information off the top that you're going to find valuable so that, you know, if you decide to take the extra energy and extra time to go to our website, like it's going to be worthwhile as well. So I think it's, it's just constantly like for whatever you're trying to do, providing value is so important before you ask your followers or fans or whatever you want to call them sure. to, you know, to do something, to convert it into something. Yeah, no, I, I very well said. And I agree with you um, wholeheartedly. And it's interesting because for the very first time we have, you know, 
newspapers were the media, right? You wanted to run an ad, you did either television, which was very expensive and very limited, or you did the newspaper. Now you have this whole free medium, social media wise, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, wherever you want to go. And it does change things. It's very impactful. There's no two ways about it. But now there's becomes this, this difference between brands, right? The ones that are believable, the ones that keep trying to force stuff down your throat. I mean, there's some brands out there that, do, you know, they try really, really hard and they're never overly convincing from their strategic standpoint. And one of the things that I've always appreciated about you, and, and I said it earlier in the beginning, is about the fact that you're extremely genuine as a person, right? You know that if you're saying something, it's exactly what's being said. There's no... There's no waffle with you, you know, whether you're talking about playing golf, whether you're talking about flying, whether you're talking about your fan, whatever it is. And I think that that's something that is um, missing in a lot of ways with digital. Would you, I mean, what, yeah, where'd you learn? I mean, obviously that's an upbringing from your folks, right? We'll get into that a little bit, but I mean, being genuine is important, I think. And I, so my question no, back to you is sure. like, you know, how does that translate to you? Cause you don't waver from that. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, social media is such a, it's a highlight reel, right? Like, Gen generally people are putting their best, best stuff out there. And something that I've, I mean, I'm very passionate about mental health, having had my own mental health struggles myself. And I just right. think that like, not like you need to go and, you know, I think some people, not like I need to go and like, if I'm having a bad day, I need to go cry about it and tell everybody how bad my day is to all my, you know, people that follow me on Instagram. But I just think that a lot of times people, like if, if all that they're seeing, especially, you know, during COVID when you're not seeing as many people in person, if all that you're seeing is, is everyone's perfect lives and, <clears throat> you know, very watered down opinions and, and that kind of stuff, like it just feels a bit, you feel alienated from others, you know? Yeah. So for me, like, I always try to think just going back to value, I always try to think, okay, who are the people that I love following the most and why do, why do I love following them? Like there's a comedian, Heather McMahon, who is mm -hmm. so, so funny and so, so authentic. And I feel like I'm her friend, you know, granted I'm now very, have, very lucky to have met her in person. So that's been All incredible. Right. But prior to having met her in person, i still felt like I knew her, you know, and right. I think that's how a lot of her fans feel. I mean, she's on a comedy tour right now. And people just, they, she sells out these incredible venues because people feel like they know her, you know, like they mm -hmm. want to know what she has to say. She has like inside jokes with her fans. And I think that's what, for me, I'm always just thinking, okay, who are the people that I like to follow and why do I, why do I like to follow them? All right. Not, not kind of not saying again, like you, you can't copy them because you're not them and right. they're not me, but what are some like tactics that they're using or themes that I see from people that I really enjoy following. And it's generally that they are very authentic and they, they share, you know, they, sh they share what they're going through, they share their thoughts on things. And <clears throat> it's not just this like perfect picture, you know, it's not just trying to show off their lives and, you know, yeah, they, <clears throat> they get to do some really cool stuff, but at the same time, they're sharing other, the other things as well. So instead of being like, oh, they're just showing off that they're on vacation doing all this stuff. It's like, you're genuinely happy for them because they're showing you all the other stuff about how hard they're working and all their struggles and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think that's really interesting for brands to look at. Do you feel like that, that, that being genuine, you know, that golf digest and the other platforms, whether it's golf TV, everything that you're kind of doing, do they, I'm assuming they're leaning in and letting you run with that kind of persona yeah, because you know, look at 
Yeah, because like you're out interviewing what Julie Serving, whatever you guys are out playing golf or whoever you're playing with, you know, you're going to go out there and you know be like me and be a half schmuck on the thing and kind of fire out some crazy questions. It's not. It just maybe it doesn't feel right, right? But when you get into that. You know, yeah, I think, you know, bacon and eggs is great on a Sunday morning type conversation when it's really, you know, real. It, it has to help generate, I think, more interest in what you're doing, even on that platform. Yeah, for sure. And that's like, I'm so, so lucky that Golf Digest has been supportive in that sense because they, um, you know, I would like to think that it makes for a better interview when you're more authentic. 100%. And, and, and that being said, like, <clears throat> it's definitely a like a learning process, right? Like when I first started doing interviews, I was a lot more buttoned up and more, you know, very much stuck to the script and that kind of thing. And so I think the more that you can learn to be yourself on camera and the more that you can, you know, it, it's just a comfortability factor, you know, sure. like it's, ne it's never going to be comfortable the first few times that you do it. So like for me, you know, when I start doing interviews, my voice always goes up and I start talking really fast. And so I try to like, you know, take a second to take a deep breath and say, okay, like we can do this. You're here because you're, you know, you're meant to be here. They trust you and your skill set. So let's just be yourself and we'll have a great interview. So I think that I'm so, so, so lucky that they, you know, believe in me and let me kind of run with things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I'd like to think that it makes, <laughs> it makes the content better than if I was just like, you know, very polished and, you know, very rigid. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I absolutely think it does. And I think, you know, I'm, I, you know, speaking for my own little deal we got running here, I think it is. And it's funny because you, my next question was literally like, what was Hallie 1.0 before we're talking to Hallie 2.0 as you've evolved down your path, right? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that you started off in this, like, I've got to be this rigid. I mean, I, I you know, I've got to march, I've got to be rigid. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, that isn't working. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that epiphany, was it something specific that you had that epiphany one day? It's like, God, this just sucks. I, this isn't me. I need to get, I need to get more air in my lungs. Right. You know what? I feel, I feel like it wasn't a specific moment, but I feel like any time that I was like afraid to be myself and then I just ended up doing it, it generally always worked out in a weird mm -hmm. way. Like I remember this is like a, like a very specific instance, but there was something that I was like afraid of tweeting. I think it was, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was, it was something that like, I think it's hard going back to being genuine and, you know, especially, you know, over these last few um, months and, and year or so where we've had, you know, a lot of social justice issues and things like that, that maybe you'd want to speak up on, but maybe other people don't agree with you and that kind of thing. And I think, it was something along the lines of an issue that I was passionate about. And I just didn't know if I should, if I should talk about it on social media or not, but I ended up doing it. And I was very like, Oh God, I don't know if I should have said that, but I did it. And then I got a phone call from someone. Um, I believe it was at the, someone from the USGA who said like, Hey, I really liked what you, what you said there. Like that was really, that was really impactful. Uh, and you know, they said like, I think it's really important that people say that. And then the next, in the next breath, he was like, by the way, would you want to do like this interview with Jordan Spieth? And I was like, what? <laughs> so it was just, it was, it was just really interesting <laughs> that like, I was on the fence about, you know, saying something that I felt like needed to be said. And right. then I said it and somebody liked it and recognized that. And, you know, was like appreciative that I was you know, said that Honest. and then the next thing, you know, I had a cool opportunity, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, and that being said, I'm sure maybe some opportunities have passed me by, 
maybe, maybe in the same breath, maybe somebody saw that and was like, no, we can't have Hallie do X, Y, Z now because, but that being said, like, I've also come to realize that, and this is, I guess, you know, when people say like, what's meant for you will not pass you by in a way that like, if there are opportunities that I would potentially have, this is within reason, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but if there's opportunities that, you know, where I couldn't be myself or I, you know, I had to, you know, maybe do something that I didn't feel was right or that kind of stuff. Like, I don't think that I would personally be happy doing those things anyways. So you might as well just be yourself. And I think that the right people and opportunities and, you know, like the, the, those will, those will, you know, they'll gravitate towards you if you do stay true to yourself. Well, absolutely. But, you know, you, you raise up a really good point that, you know, you, you've got something that you wanted to press the go button on and you had that moment of pause. And that's really speaks not, in my opinion, it doesn't really speak to your words. It speaks about the platform your words were going on and the nature of, you know, all the crazies, let's face it, all the crazies that want to jump on something, all the people that just want nothing to do but pick a fight that that could absolutely believe that the color red is the greatest color in the world until you said it. And now they're fans of purple. Right. And yeah. so and I can see where that hesitation would come from. So, if you, I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to put you on the spot. I don't do not repeat. You know, you don't have to get into details, but I'm sure you've put something up where it's just like, uh oh, that backfired. Uh oh. Like, you know, yeah, you've got to, oh, because I mean, it's I, not the first time, the fir- you know, no, no, I mean, it's definitely yeah. happened a few times. I mean, one thing that I will say, okay, this is a good example. Um, this is a kind of a sad example, but I remember one time this, uh, Instagram account posted a, so obviously, you know, everybody knows Tiger got Tiger Woods got in a horrible car accident. Um, Correct. and I happened to, I happened to be there on that day, not, not physically at the car accident, but I was a mile down the road cause he was on his way to us which was, it was a horrible, horrible day. And right. somebody posted an Instagram like a few weeks later where they said it was like a picture of Tiger having, a, I, and it was like a bad day on the golf course. And then another yeah. day it was like when he got arrested and then the next day was, and the next picture was his horrible car accident. And they were likening right. it to like bogey on the first hole, triple, whatever. Like, and I was just like, I think I commented and it was an account that had like, like 500 600,000 followers and I commented like I don't think I was like I was like we shouldn't be making light of a of a near death oh. situation like this is not this is not fun and I got absolutely ripped by all these trolls telling me you know excuse me sorry yeah. um all these trolls telling me like calling me horrible horrible names and being like yeah. lighten up snowflake like Europe like just horror, but like, then like seriously profanity and like attacking me. And, yeah. and it's just like, it was just wild, you know, yeah. that, 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 it, that that's what it came to. And that's the kind of stuff it sucks because you're like, Oh, like I really felt like something needed to be said. Like, I was like, guys, this is not, this is not something you joke about, you know, like well, someone almost died here and is critically injured. Well, and I felt like I needed to say that. And then I just get absolutely, you know, and people are keyboard warriors and they just, they know that they're never going to, they know that they're never going to say that to my face and they might never meet me in person. So they're just like, I'm just going to say this and, you know, try to hurt this, hurt this person's feelings or whatnot. And it's just social media is a very wild, wild 
place. <laughs> it's dangerous. Well, it's look, it's dangerous. It's it depending yeah. on it depending on your age. It's dangerous, right? Quite frankly, and I, it's a I'm not afraid to say that. But you're absolutely right. You, you know, you take ten of those comments and you put those ten people in front of you, and I guarantee you, nine point nine of them aren't going to say diddly squat to your face because oh, they're cowards behind the keyboard. And it's just uh, pathetic that we have yeah. this runway. But it's so, you know, again, it's it's performative, right? It, it's 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 not as good stuff, which is what you know brought me to you in the first place because of this genuine nature of what you're creating. Because to me, that's what sells. To me, that's what's elevating a brand. To me, that's what I would rather be associated associated with positivity than negativity, For right? Sure. I, I just yeah. don't need it. And brands don't need it. And that's really interesting how some of these brands are learning to navigate in these times where you're even seeing some of these brands. And I'm not, maybe it's not the right word, but they have a tendency to waffle a little bit because the wind blows in a different direction as opposed to staying true to themselves. And I think that's something that you've done. So, and I'm glad we kind of went there and thank you for kind of drawing this question because actually you actually answered my next question. This is going to totally screw me up now, but I'll come up with another one. But how, have, you know, cause you're, you know, you have your own personal brand, right? You do, you, you know, you got your, you got your nine to five gig and, and doing your stuff, but you have your own personal brand as well. So how have you embraced it for yourself? I mean, cause you're out influencing, I'm assuming you're out talking about some certain things. I mean, you know, you say, you say a brand name, it's going to resonate with folks. So how have you kind of decided what's important to you? I mean, t- you know, granted, I think it's the runway we've been on, but when you're looking at your own personal stuff, I mean, you know, Hallie Ledbetter, you, not golf ideas. How do you feel about that and what you've embraced? Um, I think for me, like what I embrace, well, just going back to, you know, I appreciate you saying that I'm, I'm genuine. That makes me very happy, but that's, that is what I embrace. Like people feeling like it's okay to be themselves and, you know, I, I think that um, it's it's important to realize, and I think in the in the um, you asked me in the when you emailed me earlier, like what one of my favorite quotes is. Yeah. Granted, I tried to somebody somebody asked me somebody asked me this, or I just said it off the cuff one day, and somebody's like, "That's incredible!" Like I'm gonna credit you with that. I'm like, "Oh, I didn't say that. I just saw it on Pinterest or something." But I don't know who said this originally, and I'm you know I'm sure a million people have said this, but you know you can be the juiciest peach in the box and some people just won't like peaches. peaches and that is really that has been a lesson that you know I've had to learn over and over again is that you can work as hard as you want you can you know be your best self and still people just aren't gonna like you and aren't gonna like the things that you create and that is okay and I think that's something for me that you know maybe I'm not out preaching that, you know, like I'm not saying that all the time, but Mm -hmm. that's something that I would hope that people, you know, get from the way that I am on social media is that like, you shouldn't be afraid to be yourself and that people, you know, the the right people and opportunities and circumstances, et cetera, are going to come to you if you are yourself. And I think that if, if you're trying to, like, instead of trying to fit yourself into a box, then, you know, you need to be, I think that the right, like that basically the right things will come to you. Because I think for me too, going back to like, oh, I, I used to feel like I had to be a certain way that I had to, you know, if, if I wanted to be like a golf reporter, because I thought that that was what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted right. to be like, a, you know, I thought I wanted to be talking to players after they finished the rounds. And then now I'm realizing that's not necessarily what I want to do, <laughs> you know, like, I, I wanted, I like to bring levity to golf. I like to absolutely fun. And that you said, there's not necessarily like 
a job that is that, but I'm very determined to make that my job, <laughs> you know, like well, for sure. and, and opportunities, you know, I, I think that just because like a path isn't, and I think that's something that I struggle with on a daily basis. It's just like, I'm a very much a planner and I like to, you know, you know, have a very clear blueprint for where right. my, you know, where things are going. And that's just not always going to be, you know, they, things aren't always clear things, but you have to just follow your heart and do what you feel like is really a great fit for you. And so I think mm-hmm. like through my social media, granted, I'm not always like saying that kind of thing, but I would just like people to be, you know, just, I don't know, it feels weird to say inspired, but I guess just, I would like them to just become more okay with, you know, doing the things that they like to do and, you know, going, you know, you know, being themselves and not being afraid sure. to be themselves. And um, I, I think that's what I would like people to take away from that. I, I think it's a great lesson for the audience. And, you know, as we're into this whole digital social conversation that business, you know, businesses themselves need to recognize that be true to your business. Yeah. When you're in your social channels, you know, if you're a fair trade company, talk about those issues that are involved with fair trade. If you're an organic company, right. Or whatever your case may be, stick to those and, and, and don't force your yourself onto everybody and try to be all things to all people, because I think you lose some of that genuineness that you create your, that you've created because you're not trying to do, I mean, to your point of like, you could go to the end of the golf tournament and say, how was your round of golf? I was going to keep asking that question. That's great. But that question's, boring as opposed to yeah. you doing what you're doing, getting into the weeds and getting to know people, right? You're bringing them to a different level. To me, that's what people want to see. So when I think about businesses creating social content, don't be boring. Don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be uh, overly risky when you go do stuff, but you do need to be true to your brand because, you know, you talked about walking down a path and I'll say it all the time. I'm a big believer in the path we're on. We don't necessarily know where our path is taking us, but we, one thing we know for sure is that we have to continue walking it. Maybe we go right and we deal with that path or we go left and we deal with that path. But nonetheless, it's really important that, that we stay genuine on our path because I think that's how you find the end, right? I think that's how you find where you want to be. For sure. And I think too, when it comes to, um, you know, businesses in particular, I think like we're making a big push at Golf Digest to really show, you know, whether it's me or our writers, whoever, to really show a lot of people like that are behind the content and that are behind the business. So I think that like a lot of times businesses, when they make their social media, like I really love following businesses where I feel like I can connect with the people that are making the products. So I love, you know, watching those about the founders Q and a with the VP or, you know, that, or, you know, like here's a, like a spin drift. who's a company that I, um, I absolutely love. And I, I work with a little bit. They did the other day, they did a really awesome day in the life of somebody. I, I forgot the name of the title, but it was like a day in the life of the woman that handles like the, uh, all of the shipping for spending. Right, 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 right. And I was like, that's so cool. Like I would have never thought about that person and you know what they would have gone into their lives, but it, you just feel like you're building a connection with that brand because it is, again, you don't have to, you can do all that stuff with a cell phone and then even Instagram, TikTok, whatever with your phone, the, the editing apps are so easy nowadays. Like you can create awesome content with your cell phone. You don't need a big fancy film crew anymore. Well, look what they do to this face on camera. I mean, I'm I mean, I'm, I'm edited before I walk in here, so I get you. <laughs> I love it. I want to shift gears a little bit off the digital stuff. I mean, you know, people are going to get into the golf thing, but before we get into that, I mean, I have we, we got to go down there just because because you're a baller golfer. We need to talk about that. We got to pump up your tires a little bit on that. But 
I know you do charity work. I know it's really important to you as it is to all of us is, is to giving back. I'm a big believer in mentoring. I'm a big believer that mentoring is, is so simple to do, quite frankly. It's about extending yourself in friendship, right? And seeing where it goes and how you can develop that friendship. That's really the core base of that. And I think you would agree with me that giving back is, uh, is an honor, right? It's not, it's, not, it's not hard. It's an honor, in my opinion. And, so I, and I know you're doing that. And one of the ones, and, and, and I won't touch about whatever ones you want to go down as well, but I know one that I think is really cool is the Ugly Foundation. And, you know, you've stood up, you know, you've posted stuff up. You've got a very powerful message that you put out to the world about it. And um, I'd just love for you to share a little bit about that, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. So the Ugly Foundation is actually a foundation that was founded by a good friend of mine, Angela Garcia, and she is uh, Sergio Garcia's wife. She is an incredible journalist and uh, TV reporter herself. Um, so I actually first got to know Angela when we had a Sirius XM radio show together a few right. years back, and she's an incredible, incredible woman. Um, and she, you know, has had her share of bullying social media, whether that's, you know, from her time on the golf channel, um, you know, and people coming after her on there, just as they do on social media, or as you know, as now Sergio Garcia's wife. So she created this incredible foundation called the ugly foundation, because the word ugly is just, you know, a word that comes up a lot of the times and bullying and ugly. She's like, I want to just, you know, take ownership of that word and um, flip the meaning and shift the narrative. So ugly, instead of standing, you know, for the traditional uh, definition of ugly, she changed it to an acronym, which is mm -hmm. unique, gifted, loved individual, because that's what we all are. Right. Um, so she literally just launched this foundation like last week, and she has some incredible partners. I think ESPN and the jewelry brand Kendra Scott are on board. So I'm definitely going to be posting that uh, about about that a lot this month because it is. I believe it's bullying awareness month. Yeah. Um, so she's got some incredible initiatives coming up. I know she's going to be doing some speaking all around the country um, and just sort of trying to shine a light on the harmful effects of kind of what we talked about, you know, of social media. And I think that, um, you know, yeah, social media can be a wonderful thing and it has, it can be a, a horrible, horrible thing. So uh, I think, what Angela's trying to do is just bring a little bit more awareness to the yeah, the harmful effects of bullying and also, uh, you know, just get people to think a little bit more about what they're saying. And, um, you know, just, you know, we said like spread love and positivity, like Absolutely. There's no need to, to be, to be, to be mean and, and hateful. Well, I, th I think it's, you know, I, I think it's really interesting when, when I look at, you know, from my perspective of my gray hair age about, thinking about being a kid and, and what was on TV, what you said, how you said things to reflecting upon it at my age going, wow, like it, it was just nothing It was because it was just nothing to think like that because it's just the way it was. But to have that moment of reflection, like I, in my own personal life, like, whoa, you know, you got to slow down a little bit. You've got to drive more positivity in the world because you've got to counteract all this negativity that's flowing out. Because right now it almost feels like there's more negativity in the world than positivity. And I think it's because the negativity gets a louder narrative. And I think we got to switch that. Yeah. So, you know, I appreciate what you guys are doing. I appreciate what you've said about your own personal experience and what it costs for you. And, and you know, it's a big issue. Um, and I think that social media is, is really a large culprit. I think social media at this point is probably worse than, you know, four people in the playground in seventh grade in a lot of ways. Um, and it's dangerous because yeah. we don't get to control it. We don't necessarily always see it. 
Yeah. I can't imagine growing up nowadays. Like I don't, I don't even know what I'm going to do when I have kids, like in terms of letting them have cell phones or social media channels, like obviously, you know, you're going to have, they, they need to have it because that's, that's how we communicate these days. Going back to social media is a good thing. And it, you know, it's a certain extent. Um, but yeah, I can't imagine having to, you know, to, 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 to deal with all of that. I mean, you're already going through so much as a kid. I can't imagine having to then deal with those pressures as well. No, I, I, I mean, I see my friends with young kids now and we have these conversations and it's, it's a challenge. It is, you know, it's a challenge that, you know, friends of mine that have kids four or five, six years old, they're, it's, it's, they're thinking about stuff. I didn't think about when my kids were that age, I yeah. wasn't, that was not even in our wheelhouse back then. No. Yeah. Right yeah. now it's like, Holy crap. It's a whole new world. Yeah. So Thank you for sharing that with me because I think it's just important we get the message out. I think it's just super, super positive. You know, one of the big things I always say is go inspire somebody. So something like that is a source of inspiration. I hope people will get on the Google machine, type in the initials and uh, be a part of that. All right. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Let's go have a little bit of fun and talk. First off, podcast time. You just dropped a new yeah. podcast. So come on. I got to give you some chops here. Yeah. Penny and Hallie you. can't quit golf. Yes. Talk about that a little bit. And you got, what, what do you got? Two other ones? Uh, no, this is, that's the only podcast I have. That's yeah. the only one you have. Okay. So well, yeah. I was just wondering what you were doing on the eighth and ninth day of the week. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. So well, <laughs> yeah, golf digest actually has two other podcasts. They have a uh, be right, which is a golf gambling podcast, which is very interesting. And then local knowledge, which is a really cool, it's bi-weekly and it's a deep dive into almost just almost like a storytelling. Like the right. last one they did was um, about behind the scenes of Tin Cup, the famous golf movie, and they had Kevin Costner. And it was a really, really neat lesson. But the podcast that I'm working on is Henny and Hallie Can't Quit Golf. And it's with my co-host, Henny Koyak, who's an incredible, incredible journalist. She, um, known her for a while, but getting to know her. What's really cool, I think, for me, selfishly, with this podcast is that Henny and I have been friends for a while, but- not like great friends, you know, yeah. like we'd see each other at tournaments. Hey, let's grab a drink. Let's have dinner or whatever. But we're not having these like deep conversations about things that have, you know, affected us. Mm-hmm. So for me, I am getting to know an incredible person while doing this podcast okay. and talking oh, about that's things cool. that we really, really care about. For example, like Henny was an incredible well, still is an incredible golfer, but she was a bit of a child prodigy. Um, she would played, started playing in professional events when she was like 16. Um, so to be able to talk to her about that and really get to know her, like these are, you know, genuine questions that I have for Henny that then people are able to like listen to these answers that she's giving and that I'm hearing for the first time as well, which is cool. Right. Um, so I'm asking, you know, the questions that I'm asking are like generally from the heart, but um. And then vice versa, you know, she's asking me a lot about, you know, my dad and what is what it was like growing up with him. And um, but the premise behind the, the whole podcast is Henny and Hallie can't quit golf because we both have played golf. Henny, Henny played at a higher level than me, but I still, you know, played at a pretty high level. And we both are still, you know, addicted to the game and somewhat and some, you know, at this point, right. maybe we don't play and practice as much as we used to, but we both work in the industry, eat, sleep, breathe the sport. And we both, you know, play occasionally, but we've all had those moments where we're like, man, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. But we all end up back at the golf course the next day. So the premise behind it is how that's our relationship with golf. And generally that's a lot of people's relationship with golf. And so mm-hmm. that's the jumping off point with all of our guests is, you know, 
what's your relationship with golf? What are those moments where you're like, man, I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. And, and what brought you back? And then we obviously talk about other things as well. Um, but yeah, our first episode came out two weeks ago with, uh, Brooks Kepka and Jenna Sims, which was great. Who's he? Brooke, who's Brooke Kepka? Who's Brooks Kepka, like, right? Yeah. Play golf? yeah. Yeah. He, he dabbles. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then this week, um, I can't tell you who it is yet, but we have a very, uh, very special guest uh, that's coming out on Thursday. So that's um, awesome. Yeah. Very, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So it's been really fun. Um, we have a lot of episodes already re- recorded and then we kind of, you know, we, we try to keep it as evergreen as possible because, right. you know, I thought I had a crazy schedule and then I tried to sync up my schedule with Henny's and woof, you know, right. being a mom and, um, you know, a wife and while she's on the road with her family and, you know, doing live hits and she's, you know, doing the podcast while she's literally driving around on a golf cart to an interview. So we're making it work. Um, I love it. Great time doing it. So, well, it's, it's what I love about what you said. It goes back to what we talked about. It's very genuine, right? I mean, if you're having a conversation that you don't see is coming, it's like, how, how great is that? Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, it was, no, it's, it's really you guys cool. did good. I listened to it. It's good. It's Thank entertaining. You. It's funny. Thank you. you guys are fun. Um, so let's talk a little bit, a little bit more about golf, a couple things, you know, I shared with you beforehand that, you know, my first experience with, with the LPGA, when I was a kid in my hometown, they had the, the women's camper open and I went to a practice round and I was walking up the fairway with Amy Alcott, who's, you know, she's a baller out there. Yeah. She was amazing. Very, very nice person. And her caddy opens up the staff bag, whips out a Frisbee. And the next thing you know, I'm playing Frisbee with her and her caddy walking up the fairway. And it was the greatest interaction for a kid that's never been to a golf tournament. Right. It was like, I was just, it was, she was just so genuine and nice and spent time talking and answer. It was just, it was amazing. So that really hooked me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up with it because, and as you did, but I grew up with it because both my grandfathers played. So I played with them a lot. My grandpa was, uh, he was pretty damn good. He shot his age until he couldn't play anymore. So he was shooting in the eighties, in the eighties. That's amazing. Yeah. Like we should play like driver, seven iron, pitching wedge, one putt next hole, but that's amazing. just not the way it works. No, yeah. now it's like drive to the left, go to the right. Is that my ball? Yeah, you know how it goes. Yeah, I know. But but you know, you didn't start playing until you're 13, right? Even though your dad and I, I haven't said it yet, but I'll say your dad's David Ledbetter, who's you know a pretty darn good golf coach out there doing some big yeah. things in the sport. But you didn't start playing till or till you were 13, which is a little unusual, not really, but it's a little unusual, kind of considering your mom played as well yeah. in the family business. But you ended up going to going to college on a golf scholarship you played at Rollins College which by the way I didn't know I forgot to tell you this we're actually related get this Are my mother yes check this out my mother-in-law went to Rollins College right so she went there and she dated Mr. Rogers one time no way I'm telling you I don't know if that makes us cousins I'm not really sure how we're connected that's that, made but- I mean yeah for sure that's I mean, incredible just Mr. So Rogers I just, thought, I just thought I'd throw that out there didn't work out, obviously. Oh, That's didn't, amazing. didn't work out or didn't work out amazing. You know, it didn't work out, but anyway, <laughs> nonetheless. But you, you know, you won a national championship at Rollins, which is had to be yeah. extremely exciting. So tell me a little Very bit about exciting. that. That had to be because that's you know, it's an individual sport that plays as a team sport when it wants to, and it changes the whole dynamic of the individual sport. So tell oh, me yeah. a little bit, yeah, tell me a little bit about winning the national championship. This episode of Todd Versations is brought to you by RJO Produce. RJO Produce, closing the information gap in measuring fresh produce quality. Quality driven, quality delivered. Connect with us at rjoproduce.com. That was honestly, I would say, you know, I've won the Southern Amateur and I've 
finished like to high up with some amateur events, but I've won some individual college tournaments, but winning the national championship by bar none is my most memorable, you know, golf accomplishment. Most thing that I'm most proud of because it was our, it was my last tournament of my college career. And it was a bit of a a mic drop scenario. And um, we finished second, my junior year. So I was like, all right, last go around. Like we got to get this done. And that was actually my college coach's 13th national championship. And I actually transferred from university of Arkansas um, to Rollins. I played at Arkansas for two years. Um, And I, I just wanted to be a little closer to home. And as a whole nother thing is like, I just, Arkansas, like, again, I love golf, but I golf was kind of like the only thing that I had there. And so I just wanted to be a little bit more balanced. So I ended up transferring to Rollins and then I, the radio and that's how I really kind of got into the media side of thing but anyways mm-hmm. going to Rollins I was just so appreciative of the opportunity to go to that school that I really really wanted to win my coach another national championship so to be able to do that was just really really gratifying and we had such an incredible team like my uh best friend from when I was about you know 13 14 that I grew up playing college golf with was also on the team and it was the same what was really special too it was like the same five from the junior year that didn't get it done we got it done that next year. So right. it, it was like personally really gratifying, obviously, but to be able to like fail and then succeed as a group is definitely something that you just don't get, especially as a golfer, going back to your, your note about how it's such an individual sport. Mm-hmm. So to be able to have that experience as a team, was just so, so special. I think that's really cool. And, and as an amateur, you got pretty good. I mean, you got yourself up to the top 10 as in the amateur ranks. That's not easy. To I do. did. Yeah. Yeah. That was and a really cool summer. <laughs> it was a very were, special summer. Were you the only left-hander in the top 10? That's a great question. I am not sure. I would, if I had to bet money, I, bet I you would are. think so, because there's not many of us. No. But yeah, that was a really interesting summer. That was actually the summer between um, I tra- that I transferred from Arkansas to Rollins, because um, I played at Arkansas for two years, I, I, I literally played golf at Arkansas my first year and my second year I redshirted. Um, and I was just kind of in a weird place because I work was working so, so hard on my game, but I wasn't playing well. Right. And it was kind of like a catch 22 because I was working so hard. I put so much pressure on myself to play well and therefore did not play well. <laughs> um, right. and so I decided, I decided after my second year at Arkansas that I was, that I didn't like golf anymore that I was like, screw this sport. This is so dumb. Again, going back to can't quit golf. You know, I was like, I just, I'm not about this. This is the stupidest game. I put so much work into it and I'm not seeing any results. So I decided that I didn't like golf, but my parents, um, were very, you know, fortunately, and I was very grateful to them for having, you know, paid my way to play in these wonderful, golf tournaments that whole summer. So I couldn't, you know, just pull out of these tournaments because we had put the money in and I needed to play in them. And I was still a college golfer. So I was like, all right, I'll go do it, but I don't really care how I play. Um, and that was a summer that I played my best golf ever. You know, I won the Southern amateur, got to the semis of the Western amateur, almost qualified for the U S open. Like I I almost qualified for the British open. Like I was playing really, really well. And by the end of it was the 10th ranked amateur in the world. It's pretty great. It was amazing, but, and it was, but it was like a very hard thing to grapple with. Cause like, wait a second, I 
decided that I don't like golf and now all of a sudden right. I play great golf. Like what the heck? And so I had to learn how to simultaneously. I think the hardest thing about playing a sport or really doing anything at a really high level is putting in the hours and the work, you know, maybe you spend 95% of your time thinking and practicing and putting all your energy into it. But then how do you not make that 95% of your self-worth? Mm-hmm. That is the hardest thing, you know? That's and so for me, sport. I had to figure out, yeah, it's so hard because you're like, I'm out here, I'm grinding, I'm working so hard, but then, and I'm putting all my energy into it, but then how do I just free it up and go play? So mm-hmm. I had to, I ended up transferring to Rollins because I knew that in order for me to play my best golf and to just be happy, I needed to have more things going on in my life than just golf. So that's why I ended up transferring to Rollins. I was a little closer to my family. Um, Rollins places an extreme like focus on academics. So, you know, my professors are like, I don't really care that you play golf. Like, and so, and that was honestly, that was a little bit challenging at times because I was like, that's how I pay to be here. It's like, I left for tournaments and they're like, I don't care, Hallie, like you need to be in class. And so I had to get the, I had to get the athletic director involved and everything because they, people were, they were like taking points off for missing class. And I was like, I have to be in a tournament. So ultimately like we got all that figured out, but that was really great for me because I all of a sudden had to really, really not saying like Arkansas wasn't hard because it it was, but I was also a freshman in like very, you know, generic classes with 500 people. Whereas like Rollins, you're sitting there at a round table with 15 kids and the professor's like, tell me what you thought about chapter one. And I'm like, I didn't read it, (laughs) you know? So like you couldn't get away with that. (laughs) Um, So it was just, it definitely made me, it really, it forced me to be more round, well-rounded and therefore like I had so much other things going on in my life besides golf that like, not golf was an afterthought because it was definitely still the priority, but it's like, if I didn't play well in a tournament, there wasn't time to go like sit around and mope. Like I had to go do my homework. <laughs> so right. well, there's no so doubt. it was just like, I was able to be more balanced and subsequent subsequently like play better because golf wasn't the only thing that I had going on. And then we ended up winning the national championship. So it worked. Out. So that certainly helps. Well, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're actually right. Golf's a really tough sport, right? And, and the amateur yeah. now gets that one shot out of the 94 that they take during the day and that brings them back the next time. Right. And for somebody at your level, that grind is, is the mental grind. You know, the the physical grind is one thing, but the mental grind is what really shapes. I think the difference between, you know, the number one player in the world and the guy that shot a 97 on a Saturday Um, because they have that mental fortitude to to fight through so much. And that's a game golf gets in your head more than, you know, I think golf gets in your head more than it does physically in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, I mean, it's such a mental game and I've, I've been so lucky to work with so many incredible mental coaches, yeah. but kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, like being genuine and, you know, doing what works for you. Like there's times when I, you know, whether it's a swing coach or it's a mental coach, like somebody will say something and I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't work for me, you know? Right. And there were times where like, maybe a mental coach would come talk to our team and I would be eating it up. Like, I'm like, this is awesome. This is awesome. And then I had a teammate that was like, I don't, I don't understand this at all. I'm not using any of this for my game. So, but that just goes back to like, okay, well, what works for you? What resonates with you? Right. You know? So where's your path? For me, and that's why I had, you have to find your own personal recipe for success in everything, Absolutely. you know? And I think Absolutely. that's the biggest lesson that golf has taught me it's like, I know what my tendencies are when I'm, when I'm nervous, whether I'm on the golf course 
or I'm in front of the camera or I'm doing a podcast or whatever. Like I know what my, you know, how my body changes when I, all of a sudden, like, I feel like the stakes are higher in some way. So I think golf has helped me learn so much about myself, whether, you know, because I know how to handle myself when I, when I do get in these situations, like I'm not playing competitive golf anymore, but I know, I know what my tendencies are when the, you know, when the pressure's on. When you need to. Yeah. hundred percent. So, well, you know, I, yeah. I shared with you that I played this weekend with my son, which is a lot of fun for me, right? Cause he's, you know, he's one of these, I hit a seven iron 210 yard guys. Right. So that's oh, just yeah. Love that. frustrating. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. It's just frustrating as hell. But nonetheless, you know, and it's humbling because he can, you know, it have to, I will admit it, you know, he can beat me now, but which wasn't the case a long time ago. So tell yeah. me how, it, how I'm, I'm sure you've beaten your dad, right? I'm guessing. Yeah, well, you know what? So how, my dad, I would say my dad um, is a great golfer. Unfortunately, over the last two years, he's had really um, a really bad right. foot and he's had, he's about to have his third foot surgery. Um, so I haven't gotten to play with my dad too recently but we do do like a lot of short game stuff and he definitely gets competitive so we have a a lot of fun we have a lot of fun um and then my brothers both of my brothers are professional golfers right very very good at golf um so it definitely gets you know we have some good family matches for sure i would think and i would imagine that if you win or you outdo your dad your mom's on your side and then that just you know just keeps it spinning when you guys get oh yeah for sure yeah Yeah, my mom's an incredible golfer as well her and i actually um, having been out in California now, I don't get to see them as much, but, um, we got a mother daughter club fitting a few weeks back, which was really, really fun. Uh, cool. I hadn't gotten new golf clubs in a long time. And then she got them too. And I'm left-handed and she's right-handed. So we got to face each other and like hit golf balls for an hour and a half and get new golf clubs. So that was a really fun thing to do. I love it. When you think about all the opportunities you've had on the golf course and you've had a ton of them, right. And, and, and I've been very fortunate in my career to, 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 to do a lot of golfing because it's just part of the business world and it's great. And there's some great courses around this country. What do you think the most fun you've ever had on the courses? Whether it be a group, whether it be an outing, that's a tough question. I was thinking about this. Like I was trying to go, how am I going to stump her right now? Ooh, yeah. You've stumped me. Let's see. Most fun I've ever most had. Fun. Was um, it a- let's see. Well, I would say something that I really do miss is competitive golf. I do mm. find it very, very fun. Um, I get really into it. I love match. I do too. So I, do too. I would say probably, probably the Southern amateur where the, the tournament that I won was probably the most fun I've ever had on a golf course, just because going back to, you know, I told you my mindset that summer was that I yeah. didn't like golf. And basically what I told myself was I didn't say that I didn't like golf. Like I wasn't out there moping and lamenting the fact that I had to play, but I basically just decided that I didn't care anymore. So I was like, you know what? I don't care if I win or lose. All I'm going to do today is hit fearless golf shots and have fun. And so that's what I did. Like I just stepped up, hit the ball as hard as I could, like with no regard, with like absolutely no fear of if it ended up in the water, if it went in the trees, if I didn't get up and down. So to be able to stand over a golf ball with absolutely no fear of where it's going to end up and just hitting it as hard as you can at your target is the most fun feeling ever. So that, that final round, it was a 36 hole match, uh, which was, you keep in mind, I've already played 36 holes the day before 36 holes the day before before, before that and 18 before that. So I am tired. 
And I am playing a 36-hole match against this girl, Lauren Wer- Laura Wern, who is now, I believe, on the Symmetra LPGA. So very good player. And cool. she hit her three-wood, airmailed my driver. Like she hits it so, so far. And so I, I was like four down through nine or something. And I ended up, um, and my parents actually flew in to watch me play. And so to be able to play in front of them, yeah. they watched me play a bunch, but to be able to play in front of them with like, just knowing that like, I was going to be okay, regardless if I won or lost, I was like, I just, I, the, the only way that I'm like, I'm judging my success today, not on whether I win or lose, but by how much fun that I have was like, just the, it was so much fun. Like when you're just out there to be like, yeah, this is fun. And I think that's like, for me, why I didn't really, I had a very hard time pursuing professional golf because when you are playing for money and your livelihood, it is very hard just to judge your success on how much fun you have. Well, I was hundred percent agree. Because you're like, no, it actually does matter if I like, I need to pay bills. (laughs) You know? Well, yeah. And you got, you know, you're, you're, you're spending five grand a week to try to make it work. You got to pay your caddy. You're yeah. Missing a cut, like, you know? That's yeah, great that you had fun, but yeah, you need to I agree pay you. your caddy. <laughs> I, I'm taking your advice because we, we're tied up on our match play. I'm taking your advice into the third round we have this week. Uh, and I'm just going to go be fearless. And, and if not, I'm yeah. just going to cheat. If not, I'm just going to yeah, cheat. One I mean, of the two is going to happen. There's a sports psychologist named Gio Valiente, and he wrote a book called Fearless Golf, which I recommend to everybody. And funnily enough, he happened. So he's been, he's worked with a bunch of incredible, incredible golfers and just athletes in general. He happened to be the psychology professor at Rollins college. So he was my, yeah, he was my professor, my first year that I got there, but he was the one that was able to help me sort of figure out how I could simultaneously like quote unquote, not care, but also continue to like work hard. Um, So, and that was by playing fearless golf. Like, how do you go out there, work as hard as you can, but then just go out there and realize like, if you shoot 76, if you shoot 77, if you three putt, like you're going to be okay. So I ended up, I would always write fearless on my wrist before I, like I played that. golf or no fear. And I ended up getting it tattooed on my arm right there. I like it. <laughs> um, just like, so I, I mean, I'd like to live my life. I'd like to think I live yeah, my life like that. I love it. Um, granted, I don't always, but, um, but that it's a nice reminder. Well, but you know, I, I think it goes, to, you know, if you're living fearlessly, right. And, and, if, and if you're, 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 you're going out every day and just take golf, we'll just keep on the golf side, but you're going out every day mm-hmm. and you're grinding and you just, you play without that fear. That's genuine. That's from the heart, yeah. right? That's, that's not, yeah. that that's nothing more than saying, I'm going to be as genuine to myself as I possibly can be today. And whatever happens to yeah. your point in the trees, in the water, yeah. whatever, just take that one shot and be fearless. I love it. Let I'm all fired up. I wish I could go play today now. I wish I'd go play today. Yeah, I mean, for me, like when I was having a really hard time, like at Arkansas, not playing well, it's because I was like, so afraid, like, let's use an example of like a chip, right? I was so afraid of hitting a bad chip and not getting up and down that I never even gave myself the chance to do it because it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't cope with the fact that I might do my best and I might fail. So I just failed every single time because I always had the excuse of, oh, I was nervous. I couldn't, I couldn't perform, you know, because how much would it suck? Cause I was, cause we had an incredible team, like two or three of the girls that were in my lineup are now on the LPGA tour. Like I had a really hard time coping with the fact that I might play my best and I might not make the top five and go to that tournament. So it was much, it was almost like a mental cop-out to just be nervous and play bad 
because then I never knew if I could, if I could make the lineup, you know? So it. it is like, how can you be genuine and be authentic and play your best and do your best in life and know that like, you might not make the lineup. Some people might not like you, but like, you have to be okay with it. You know, well, you gotta be true to yourself first and foremost, right? Yeah, if you're not true totally. to yourself, then if you're not true to yourself, whatever you give out to the world isn't going to be genuine. Right. And therefore you're, no. you're always dodging something, right? It's almost like always, it's like telling a lie. You just have to keep telling more and more lies to keep yeah, up. Exactly. It doesn't work. You can't... It doesn't work. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Tell me, tell, where do you, how, what do you, what do you think about the game today from both the perspective, you know, of, of between men and the women's game today? Um, it's certainly popular as ever. Uh, I think the yeah. women's game is becoming more popular. I think the equity thing is, is always going to be a challenge to fight through, mm-hmm. um, you know, from a financial standpoint, but I, you know, in, in all sports, not just golf, it doesn't matter if it's soccer, basketball, all of it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's an ongoing conversation, but where do you see the game going today? I, I think the game of golf is in such a great place. Like just speaking, well, well, I can talk about professional golf in a minute, but I just think golf as a whole, the silver lining for, you know, the pandemic was the golf, the popularity of the sport just skyrocketed. skyrocketed. Like, I mean, I talk to people at, you know, club companies now and they're like, we can't get the clubs out fast enough because people, it was the only thing that you could really do, you know, socially distance and relatively Correct. safe for a long time. So I think golf as a whole is in a great spot right now. Mm-hmm. Professional golf also in a great spot, you know, coming back from, from COVID, they obviously had to shut down for a little bit, but the PGA tour and LPGA tours did a great job of, you know, managing that. And now they're back up and running. Um, and there are some incredibly, incredibly young, young stars. I feel like, you know, obviously we miss Tiger. He's, you mm-hmm. know, we miss him so, so much. And we hope that he gets better and can get back out there. Somehow um, I think he might win a senior tournament or two. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You know, at least out there in some capacity would be wonderful, yeah. but we have so many incredible young stars, you know, Victor Hovland and, it's, it's, and uh, you know, Tony Finau, Jordan Spieth, Justin yeah. Thomas, like all these incredibly incredibly talented guys that i think are you know back to our point about social media sometimes they're authentic sometimes it's just their agents running their social media accounts but it's really great when you get a guy like harry higgs or max homa or a a girl like well she doesn't play on the tour anymore but tiffany joe who's an incredible super funny now she's the assistant coach at ucla i believe but Mm -hmm. there's so many awesome awesome personalities on the pga tour and the lpga and i love really working with both of those tours um, I used to work at the PGA tour. So, and I know I'm incredible, uh, lovely people there. Um, I really do enjoy going to LPJ events though, because they're just so excited to talk to you, you know, whereas like but, PGA tour, they're like, not like it's a hassle, but it's definitely like, you got to go through the agents and you got to, right. you know, schedule the time. And you know, it's like, they got to talk to you and then they got to talk to someone else. And the LPGA is like, you know, the players are like, we'd love to do it. What do you want to do? Like, they're just really open and, you know, excited and and mm-hmm. grateful for the coverage and the opportunity to tell their stories. So that's why I like working with them. I mean, again, I like working with the BJ tour, but it's just really refreshing to work with a lot of the women because for sure. they don't get those opportunities as much. So when they do, they're very excited and, um, you know, willing to, you know, do some maybe fun outside of the box stuff. Like playing Frisbee with the, Teenage yeah, kid at his exactly. first golf event, yeah, right? Exactly. And all of a sudden, the guy's like, I just, and I followed her career till she stopped playing, right? It was just like, I was hooked on it. And that's what yeah. got me really involved. Was I was like, you know, yeah, the yeah. guys are on TV, but I'm following her in the sports page, whatever the case may yeah. be. Yeah. And I love TV. hearing that. Like, those yeah, it was a great give Oh, yeah. John Rom. Yeah. John Rom yesterday was playing in the Spanish Open and 
he was going for a three-peat, which would have been incredible. He ended up finishing tied 17th, so I'm sure he was disappointed. But he, there was a video of him saying that I'm going to sign every single kid's, you know, hat, ball, right. whatever. I don't care how long it takes. Yeah. And I think that it's really, really cool when players, you know, realize how much of an impact that they have and like how much they can make someone's day by, you know, doing a, just a small gesture like that. And how much 100%. they can inspire by doing that too. So. 100%. Well, I mean, and it did. It inspired me and it got me more involved. The whole nine yards, obviously my grandparents were a big inspiration as well, keeping me honored, just like your old, just like your dad and mom and your brothers uh-huh. keep you honed in on us. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. What a great, thank you for sharing that. So we're going to switch gears. We're going to switch gears now. We're going to have a little bit of fun. We do something at the end of all of our broadcasts. It's called TLC Trivia Time. And you have no idea this is coming. So I've got you in the hot seat right now. Okay. So are you ready? You ready for some rapid fire questions? Let's do it. You yeah. don't have a choice. You can say no. Okay. I don't think you Let's will. Let's do it. You're, Let's do it. I'm you got excited. enough. You're fearless. You got enough courage. All right. Yeah. You ready? Which pop singer's real name is Robin Fenty? Oh, goodness. Oh. Don't tell me you're not going to get this. I, I I threw this question out to my family. Like, that's a stupid question. She's going to know that. If you don't get this, I'm going to look like a genius. Robin Fenty. I wanted to say Lady Gaga, but Lady Gaga's real name is Stephanie. Uh, pop singer. Robin. And her actual name. I'll give you a hint. Her actual name that she goes by is actually her middle name. I'm going to stump you out the box. I'm digging this. You ready for the answer? Yeah. Rihanna. Rihanna. I swear. Fenty. Fenty beauty. I use her makeup. I'm an idiot. Okay. Well, I wouldn't go that far. All right. Here's another one for you. How long can a snail sleep? 48 hours. Good guess. Three years. What? I don't make it up. I just repeat it. Oh my God. Three years. years. Yeah. How about that? That would be the ultimate nap. I could do that That today. In fact, I could like curl up for a three year nap. Three year nap. Three year nap. Give me a, give me one of your flying pet peeves. Oh, a pet peeve of mine is when people, okay. When people stop in like an entryway, like they, like, you know, like (laughs) people are actively moving in and out of the building and they just stop to check their phone. Yes. I'm like, I don't have a problem with you checking your phone. Just do it like by a wall or something. Yeah. Don't stop in the middle of a door. So yeah. that's probably that. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree. I, you know, and I've, I've put my millions of miles in and you're working on getting all of yours. So I've been down this trail yeah. a whole bunch. I, I can give you about 40 of them. Yeah. Uh, whether, whether it's a guy that's going to the bathroom with no shoes and socks on or oh, yikes. the people, yeah. to your point, the people that are walking to the terminal with their head down on their phone and it's just like, you have to move out of their way. Oh yeah, Oops. there's... Yeah, yeah, it's time to do a little little roller skate, exactly, like back to roller exactly. derby move. Yeah. I love it. What's something that's on your bucket list? You could come up with one thing you want to go check off. Ooh, um, I would love to go. I really want to see the Northern Lights. My boyfriend and I yesterday, we were watching all these like, we were watching like music videos that were set to incredible locations. And we were just making this bucket list of all these places we want to go. And one right. of us at the top is definitely probably going to Iceland to see the Northern Lights. That would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. All right. Dog or a cat? This dog. one will get you in trouble. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. You know what? There's really only one. Well, there's only one yeah. right answer. No. Yeah. I agree with you. So what's the proper degree of toast from not toasted to burnt? Ooh, um, I would prefer burnt toast over not toasted. Yeah, good point there. Yeah, you got to get yeah. something. Yeah, I just that's yeah, not I need the crunch. Yeah, exactly. You got to have a little something, something. Mm-hmm. 
Hallie, you have been so gracious hanging out with me today. You have been just as you, as I expected, very genuine. Thank you, Todd. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's absolutely, it is absolutely my pleasure. You know, I I truly appreciate you, but I do have one final question for you. I'll throw at you really quick. If you could give somebody some advice, you know, about how to always be yourself, whether it be in the digital or social space, Mm -hmm. you know, or in the, or in the media type world, what would you tell them? I would tell them, um, I guess going back to my point about, um, a lot of people, you know, people ask me like, how do you decide like what to post or how do you know, you know, what to post? And I think it goes back to like, what do you like? You know, like for me, Mm -hmm. when I'm thinking about, do I want to post this photo or this video or whatnot? I try to think, okay, if I saw this on my phone, you know, somebody posted this, would I roll my eyes? Would I be like, oh, this is such, this is boring. This is whatever. Or I'd be like, oh, this is, this is added value to me. And again, like, to your point earlier, you're talking about like education. Is it, is it entertainment? Is it education? Just add value, add positivity, add to people's social feeds, you know, don't just post for the sake of posting. So I think that's what I would say is sort of check yourself like, okay, am I adding value with this? And two, like, what would my personal thought be on this content if it popped up in my feed? And if it's a green light, then go for it. I love it. Again, thank you very much. I hope everybody uh, gets on the social channels under Hallie Led on Instagram, et cetera. Go check yep. it out. It's worthy of your time. She's Hallie's very entertaining. You're going to get a smile. You're going to appreciate it. The, you know, just being so genuine the way that you are, it's just, it's fun to be around. You know, from the bottom of my heart, I do appreciate you taking your time out of your busy day and uh, checking, uh, hanging out with me and chatting golf and chatting about digital content and everything else. And let's go play sometime. You let me let's know. Let's do it. I'm down. I'd love to do that, Todd. That'd yeah, be great. Let's, let's go do it. I mean, okay. and, 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 and we can play for cash if you want, but I don't play very good. So let's do I'm it. One that of those sounds guys. good. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate you very much for hanging out with me and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Be genuine. Don't stop. No matter what, do not waver from that because it's working and uh, it's going to continue to work for you. I'm quite sure. Thanks, Todd. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us. We appreciate you. Take care. Remember, go inspire somebody today. It's incredibly important. Hallie just said it, too. Go do it. Thanks, everybody. That was awesome, Hallie. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Todd. Thank you so much for your You're, time. And yeah, let no, me know when yours. this comes out. I'll, I'll email you. Yeah. Are Great. you just real quick before my guys in my industry are going to see this. Are you wanting to do outside influencer work? Because they're going to call and ask me. I can guarantee it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm allowed to, which is great. You know, yeah, for sure. Right. For okay. Sure. Because yeah. if they come up and say, "How do I do it?" I'm not gonna. I what I'll do is I'll present. If somebody comes back to me, I'll say, "Hey, Joe from so and so, this might be good for you," and I'll just send it to you that yeah, way. Yeah, that'd be great. I really yeah. appreciate that. Thank you. No, so I'd be much. I'd be happy I'd be happy to do it. Yeah. Awesome. Sweet. Well, thank you so much. And please tell Janine also, thank you so much for her emails and her, and her work on this too. It's been great. Uh, I don't know what she wrote. So hopefully it wasn't too. Hopefully oh, she was great. She was great. Okay. She was asking me about uh, Chubbs, our family's dog. Oh. So yeah, I <laughs> was, uh, a... I would try to pull up a picture of him. Let's yeah. I, I've got, she's, she's got two German shepherds, one of which we brought in because she's here. Yeah. So we've got a house. It's literally like two, yeah. four-year-olds. It's crazy. This is Chubbs. Oh yeah, I've seen him on. Yeah, I've seen him he's on your feet. He's, he's cute. The They're great. I can, dogs, dogs over cats. Always, always. always. You're awesome. All right, thank, thank you, you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great week. You too. See ya. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. See ya.